Nervous Habits. Hey guys, so if you read the title of the episode, um, you will see that I am going on hiatus or hiatus as most people most people say it. Um, for folks that are newer to the pod, every six, nine months, um, I just sort of needed a break to catch up on work and school and life. You know, I do this podcast um, as sort of like a passion project on the side uh, as I study to be a lawyer and, and um, all the other stuff I'm, I'm trying to do in my career. Uh, so, I just, you know, I, I just, I, I need a, I, I need a breather much like, you know, sitcom will go off the air for like a summer hiatus or uh soap opera or something like that. Nervous habits takes, takes a couple months off a year. Um, but before I do, I just wanted to chat for a little, bring you guys up to speed on what's been happening on my life and whatnot, because believe it or not, this is my first time recording an episode in a long time. I know like, you know, I've had episodes come out in the last couple months, but the reason is, and, and long-time listeners know this, I record and release way in advance. So I will record an episode in March, for example, and release it in June, or record it in January and release it in April. Um, and I do that because you know it, it helps me manage time and, and, and whatever. But the downside is that the world ends up changing a lot um, in those three months. And sometimes I like listen back to the episodes and I'm like, wow, I, you know, I was talking about uh, COVID and and masks when you know we're that that you know we're pretty much in the clear from the pandemic sometimes I'll listen back and I'll say wow you know we were talking about COVID and first and second shot of the vaccine that was you know that's been over over with for a long time um but this episode I'm recording in uh, mid-July and it's actually gonna be released later this month so that's not the case so everything that that you know I'm chatting about now hopefully will still be relevant um later later this month when this comes out uh, you'll notice that the sound quality is a little bit different um, compared to the last 60 or whatever episodes. Uh, and that's because I actually upgraded from my Blue Snowball Ice to a Blue Yeti microphone. My uh, my sister's got it for me for my birthday. And it's, it's a much crisper sound. Uh, the other thing is... Uh, I I sort of have to move back from the mic because with this microphone, when I talk like this, um, because it picks up all of the audio, it, it's almost it's you know too loud. It's it's uh, you know so 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 I like to so now I have to kind of like recline a little bit. Yeah, so different sound quality, hopefully for the better. And yeah, I mean life life has been uh, pretty crazy these last couple months um, of the summer. I I might have mentioned in a previous episode or something one of my like opening monologues that I'm working at a, a law firm over the summer, and if you don't um, if you don't have like friends or family in the corporate law world, the way that it works is like you know you go to law school and then after your second year you work at a firm as a summer associate. And it's really just like, it's really just an opportunity for you to see whether or not the firm is a good fit for you and, and, and for them to begin training you and bringing you into their ranks uh, with the goal of hiring you after graduation. So you work at the firm for you know 10 weeks over the summer. Uh, you get a, a flavor for uh, what type of work you'll be doing when you graduate. And then almost always you get you end up getting hired after uh, you know after graduating. So, so I'm at a firm in New York City um, it's remote over the summer, so I'm not actually in New York. I've been um, in D.C. for the extent of the summer, and and it's been a lot better than I thought it would be. You know, granted, I haven't had the chance to meet 
any of my fellow summer associates in person or any of the attorneys or support staff I'm working with. But um, given the circumstances, uh, I, I think it's been pretty cool. And the, and the firm's done some pretty cool stuff, um, you know, to, to keep us entertained over the summer, sending us like sending us like meats and cheeses in the mail to make charcuterie boards and a paint kit for like a, a virtual paint night, um, things like that. So it's been fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in a month from now, I'm going to be starting my final year of, of law school, um, and I will be going in person. It'll be the first time since, I want to say February of 2020, that I'll be in person. So a year and seven months later, I mean, you know, what, two-thirds of my first year was in person, and then four-thirds um, will, be, will have been online, so... I mean, I've spent twice as much time in law school online as in person, which is, you know, mind-boggling. And then, yeah, I'm going to go back, and it's going to be it's going to be daunting for a number of reasons. I mean, having to, you know, being in a physical classroom again, um, it feels like a lifetime ago since I've been in like a physical classroom with taking notes on a computer, and you know, it's it's. And on the other hand. It's a little bit intimidating, like having to navigate large scale social situations again. And, um, you know, see, I mean, as much as I want to see my friends every day, uh, there is almost an element of a little bit of anxiety that comes with, you know, being out in the world. And, um, yeah, like, and then obviously, you know, I'm going to have to, obviously, having to wake up an hour or two earlier, like for me now, uh, and and I'll, I'll talk about uh, my puppy in a moment, but um, now that I have a dog, that means the morning routine takes about 30 minutes, right? Like I have to take her out once to go potty, then I bring her in, I feed her breakfast, then we go on a long, then she goes potty again, we go on a long walk, that's about 30 minutes. So that means my morning, I have to pencil in 30 minutes for her, and then, you know, it's going to take like an hour for me to, to shower and get changed. So rather than, you know, roll out of bed at 9.59 for class at 10, you know, I might have to wake up at like 7, 8 a.m. for class at 10. Um, so all this to say, like, I, I'm i excited that we're going to be in person for law school again. I think that I'm going to learn a lot better. Like, like, let's face it. I don't think anyone would tell you that they learned um, better online as they did um, in person. So I guess there's that. But it's, it, yeah, it's been a while. Um, so that's going to be, that's going to be a change for sure. It's also interesting. As I'm recording this episode, it's pouring rain outside um, in, in mid-July. Uh, and I just feel like, I don't know what it is. Every time I go to record a podcast episode, and you can fact check me, you can go back and listen to some of uh, the other hiatus episodes I've done. Every time I go to record one of these episodes, it's pouring outside. Um, so yeah, I, I guess <laughs> I guess I got like a weather machine or something in my apartment. But um, so yeah, I mean it's it's flown by. The other thing like that you, you might have heard if you have family or friends and that have gone through law school is the third year of law school is is really you know the third year of law school is a little bit obsolete. It's very much like you know the first year. You learn your black black letter doctrinal law for the bar. Second year, you take some supplemental courses like evidence, which are important for the bar. You do some experiential, some practicums, some clinics. And then your third year, you already have a job pretty much locked up. Um, you are maybe starting to prepare for the bar following your third year. 
and you're not really taking any necessary courses anymore. So that's why a lot of people, including former President Obama, have said, you know, law school doesn't need to be three years. Um, part of the reason why, in addition to, the, to what I just mentioned about um, how the coursework isn't necessarily critical, is you sort of, it sort of interrupts your, you know, the growth and development of your career. And by that, I mean, you know, I, I'm a summer associate at a law firm this summer, um, learning all the institutional knowledge of, of the firm and, you know, getting acquainted with, with client work and also like how to, you know, how to perform research, things like that. And then that work is interrupted for a year while I go back to school and then I return to the firm after. So I'm just thinking, you know, wouldn't it make more sense, even putting aside the, you know, the coursework, things like that, um, wouldn't it just make more sense to have law school be two years and then have the third year? Um, and then instead of the third year, just return to your to your job following the bar exam. That's just food for thought. Um, but I mean, the legal industry is, is thriving right now, right? The 2021 law school admission process is the most competitive it's ever been. Uh, part of that is, you know, given the pandemic in 2020, a lot of people deferred or postponed um, law school and graduate school in general because they didn't want to go uh, to Zoom school online. They wanted to wait until it could be in person. Um, so you have more applications. I was reading uh, something, I think PowerScore said that uh, the number of law school applications was up like 50 or no, it wasn't 50. It was like uh, the number of law school applications was up like 30 something percent. Um, not to mention, you know, you have more high scores um, on, on the LSAT driving up the, the competitiveness. Um Law firms in general did really well um, during the pandemic. With everyone working home, they were able to cut costs, uh, reduce their overhead. There's more automation now. Uh, I'm sure they're cutting cutting back on resources and, and <coughs> support staff in general. So uh, as a result, you know, there's increased competitive, uh, competitiveness for jobs as well. And on that note, you know, there's been sort of a, a debate um, about whether or not businesses should continue to allow people to work from home after uh, the pandemic ends. I mean, most of most of my friends' companies and as well as the firm I'm working for have uh, set a fall 2021 um, deadline uh, date of, you know, that's when people should begin returning back to the office full time. Uh, and there's a number of reasons for that. I mean, um, a lot of businesses, uh, business owners think that remote work hurts productivity. Um, that you know they're not as motivated or efficient with their time as they're working as far as their out- output is concerned when they're working from home. Uh, I think that you know there might be something to that. You know, then again, you could make the case that uh, people who work from home ha- are, might be more productive, um, might might be better about managing their time. Um, but there's a lot of distractions when you work from home, and um, it's just more difficult to manage and to uh, monitor team members. So I, I think you know that's that's part of the equation. The other thing is you know then there are companies that uh, you know are switching to permanent long uh, remote work, saying you know this is this is the future of working from home. Mainly like like tech companies, um, companies that don't necessarily need um, their employees in the office. And something else to consider, maybe not for for the little guys like you and me, but um, in terms of on a macroeconomic scale, like how this affects the commercial real estate industry. Like if everyone opts to work from home, um, then companies will no longer have the need to, to lease office space. And um, in, in expensive real estate markets like uh, New York and, and San Francisco. So, I mean, take New York City, for example. Um, there was an article in the New York Times last week that said that 
Um, nearly 19% of all office space in, in Manhattan has no tenants right now uh, because companies are shedding leases and embracing remote work. And that 19% of uh, vacancies in, in offices in Manhattan is the highest on record. So you see that uh, in, in cities, uh, not just not just Manhattan, but uh, as well as Los Angeles as well, uh, uh, where the uh, vacancy is, is 24%. Uh, Chicago, the office vacancy rate is 22%. Um, you know, there are signs that uh, the commercial real estate industry might might be suffering a, a crisis. And, you know, that doesn't – obviously, that doesn't affect you or I. Like, I'm not, I'm not losing, <laughs> losing sleep over um, commercial real estate in New York City. But there, I guess there are, like, interests uh, at stake. There are – let's just say there are a lot of people that, that want you to return to your desks in your office, that don't want you to work from home. I know that uh, Facebook – uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the CEO, said that he planned to work outside the office for half of, um, of next year, and Google as well uh, is shifting to remote work. Twitter, I think, is is offering um, uh, employees the option to to work from home. So I don't know. There's something something to that. At at the very least, what I do think will will happen is going forward in the next year or two. Uh, I think companies will offer. Um, employees the option of like at least one to two days remote a week. Um, and for me, given that I have this puppy, um, will be great because then, you know, maybe I go in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'm home with her Thursday, Friday, and I only have to pay for daycare once a week. Um, but anyways, I guess shifting off of uh, off of work stuff and uh, the dog stuff, and she's, she's literally taking a nap on my bed behind me. She's really cute. Um, so... I got this puppy, Penny. You guys might have heard about her on past episodes. Um, her name was Eager when I adopted her uh, at the age of eight weeks um, from a uh, last chance animal rescue in, in Maryland. They uh, rescued her from a kill shelter in Mississippi. Um, it's by the way, it's really sad. Like if, if you're, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin anyone's day, but uh, it's very sad the number of kill shelters they have in in southern states like Mississippi and Alabama. Um, it's really sad because these are like, you know, beautiful, sweet um, puppies that just want a family and a home. So, uh, in any event, I adopted Penny um, back in mid March. Uh, I fostered her for a couple weeks, and then I decided to adopt her. Now she's she's um, almost six months. When this episode comes out, uh, she will have turned six months, and she's grown a lot. She went from little baby, maybe maybe bigger than one of those like rectangular t- tissue boxes, and now at this point, she is probably like four feet in length. I mean, if she's, I have some pretty short friends. If she stands <laughs> stands up on her back legs, um, she's about you know she's up to their their chin. Um, but uh, everyone that says that. You know, puppy, a dog provides endless companionship and loves you unconditionally. They couldn't be more right. Um, but it's you know making the decision to adopt uh, a puppy at eight weeks on my own, right? Like I don't uh, live with anyone else. Uh, it's 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 tricky. And if I could do it again, um, I wouldn't want to do it again because obviously I you know Penny's a part of my family now. But if I could do it again, I might have. Uh, I might have gotten a little older of a dog just because the house training, um, the teething, the zoomies, um, these are things that you experience most with, with a puppy under the age of six months. And um, so it's it's been a lot. Like like I think about how I've spent my time in the last uh, – since March, in the last four months. And most of my days, uh, you know, 
maybe like 20, 20 to 30% of my time, maybe more, uh, every day is just spent, you know, taking care of, of, of Penny, you know, making sure she's okay, taking her outside, feeding her, playing with her, dog playdates, daycare, potty, training, obedience, commands. Um, it's, it's literally like, like raising a, a newborn child. And, um, the biggest thing is the separation anxiety. Like, um, I, I think now maybe it's gotten a little bit better, but it used to be that, you know, if I went to the gym for an hour, she would bark and cry, um, until I came back. Now what she does is if I'm going to a friend's house, um, on a weekend or something and I go to the door, she knows, you know, she knows I'm going to leave her. So she sort of blocks the door or she'll take my shoes so I can't leave. It's very cute. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of want to get her to a place where I can leave. I can leave her for a couple hours or a night, and she won't mind. She'll know that I'm coming back for her. Um, but I also did a uh, one of those DNA tests um, where you essentially like swab the inside of the dog's cheek. You send it to a company. I used Wisdom Panel, and they send back uh, the breakdown of her um, of her DNA, what breeds she has, or any like genetic diseases she might have. Um, so. And it's pretty cool. Like, so for Penny, um, she, I thought she was just a yellow lab, but she's actually a mutt. She has eight breeds in her. Uh, she's 28% lab retriever, 24% German shepherd, 14% collie, 14% treeing walker coon hound. Never heard of that. You can look that up. Treeing walker coon hound, uh, 8% golden retriever. Um, 6% Jindo, 4% American es- Eskimo dog, and 2% Chinese Sharpay. The Sharpay I could see because she has a little like folds on, on the top of her head. Um, and it says she's going to be between 40, let me pull this up, um, 41 and 67.9 pounds. Right now she's got to be at least 30, 35 um, but it's just funny, like when you buy a rescue dog, they, they make you sign a contract and it says like six times in the contract, you know, the rescue organization makes no guarantees about the dog's breed or size, what have you, which is valid because, you know, they don't know how big the dog's going to get and they don't want you to return the dog. But it's just funny because when I got Penny, um, I said like, oh, you know, I, I have a small place. I really, you know, don't want a dog that's going to be bigger than 30 pounds. And they were like, yeah, she'll be 30 pounds, whatever. Well, five months in, she was 30 pounds. And now six months, she's probably going to be close to close to 40 already so um so yeah it's i guess it's good practice right like i want to have i want to have kids one day and this is this is not dissimilar from what it's going to be like um and yeah like like you know i think about my time in dc and going back to new york at the end of next year um and you know what have i learned right like what am i what am i going back with um well Going back with a law degree, hopefully things go well. Going back with a job, um, some stable, stable, gainful employment, and I'm going back with a puppy. So I guess the past three years weren't a total, <laughs> total waste of time. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that like I create an Instagram for my dog and I like anthropomorphize where I'm like, oh, you know, today, you know, those people that speak in the first person with a dog where they say like. They'll post a picture of the dog eating ice cream. They'll be like, oh, like I was so hungry today, but thankfully my owner came by with an ice cream cone and they talk in the first person. Now, I, I don't do stuff like that. Um, sometimes I'm guilty of like posting uh, videos on, on Instagram or something, uh, you know, videos of, of Penny doing something silly just because she's – sometimes she like lies on her, on her uh, back with her tummy out and her, her paws up and it's too cute for me not to share. But I don't really do any of that stuff um, and uh, – 
yeah, yeah, she's, she's, she's pretty, she's pretty, pretty chill, pretty playful, pretty rowdy. She lives up to her name as eager. Um, and then, I mean, I'm going to, going to Greece, uh, next month, um, just because I, I don't know, I haven't traveled since, uh, before the pandemic, before law school, you guys remember, uh, my, my trip around France, did an episode on that, um, on the, the benefits of, traveling and there must be more to this provincial life and you know I, I, I thought about where I might want to go because my job ends at the end of July and then I have a month off before law school starts again and yeah I guess I could just like stay home and relax and whatever but I thought it'd be nice to take a trip for a little while and, and honestly I kind of could use a break even even from Penny like my um, sister my, my family's gonna be watching her for a week so I decided to go to go to Greece uh, I I've been I've been wanting to go for a while. It's been on my list, um, and you know, see the Parthenon, the Acropolis, and have Greek food, and you know, the Mediterranean diet, and wine, and all that fun stuff. Um, check out the beaches and the islands. So I'm going to be going with with my friend Stephanos, who's actually <laughs> one of the uh, one of the longest tenured guests on Nervous Habits. So going next month, I'm excited about that uh, before school begins. Um, I'm trying to think what what else is new. What else is is going on? Um, my dad is uh, turning sixty five, um, or he, actually, my dad turned sixty five already, uh, which is really incredible. Um, and you know, he, my dad came on an episode as well, uh, talked about sort of like growing up and the the sixties and seventies and what life was like there then compared to now a while back. But uh, my yeah, so my dad. Um, is celebrating 65th birthday, and he's also retiring from his career with the United States Postal Service. He was a mail carrier for 20 years. So at the beginning of August, we're going to be having a retirement party to you know, celebrate um, his birthday and his retirement, which is really incredible. And um, in typical Jay Rosen fashion, uh, he asked myself and my sisters to sort of write, write down some stuff, um, some feel-good feel good sentiments to share. Um, and yeah, I've, I've spent time the last couple of weeks just sort of thinking about my childhood and, um, thinking about my relationship with my dad and, um, and it's, it's, it's crazy. Like how, how quickly life goes by. Like I, I remember, uh, I didn't even mention this in the speech. Um, so if, if, you know, if my family is listening to this now, uh, it's not necessarily giving anything away for, for the remarks for next month, but I still remember when I was like a baby, my dad would uh, follow us around the house with a with a video camera, one of those like Panasonic camcorders. It's like five times the size of, of uh, any, any camcorders they make today. And they say that like when you're in like your your thirties, it hits you that you're turning into your mom or you're turning into your dad. Um, I just think about like some of my habits, right? Like like always before I leave the house, double checking that I have everything, you know, keys, phone, wallet, uh, double checking that I didn't leave the appliances on, um, talking, <laughs> talking to myself, um, failing to understand young people like, ah, oh, you know, what, a uh, oh, kids these days listen to this. Oh, you know, why do people do this? Uh, that generational gap is something my dad, um, and so I'm, I'm excited for, I'm excited for that and, you know, happy birthday and happy retirement to my dad. Um, Health. I mean, health is really important. Health is everything. That's something my dad. My dad always says. Health is wealth. Um, you know, we're only here for a short visit, and it's it's very true. Especially you know, you think about everyone that we've lost in the last uh, in the last year or two. Um, so, 
it really makes you sort of appreciate you know the people that that uh, that you have around. Anyways, so so I have that coming up. Um, I have been watching a lot of baseball, of course, in the last um, in the last couple months since since we've last talked. Uh, and obviously, not going to bore you with my my ramblings on on the Mets, um, but. But I have no doubt they will continue to disappoint me this year, as they have done every year um, since my my Mets fandom took you know took it up a notch back in 2006. Um, been following religiously for the last 15, 16 seasons. Um, actually, uh, you guys might also remember one of my like life goals is to see all 30 stadiums. I've seen about 10 so far. I'm seeing three more this summer. I have plans to go to Camden Yards in Baltimore. Um, next month, and in September I'll be going to Philly um, Citizens Bank Park. Been meaning to see that, and then I think some of my friends um, and I are planning a trip to Cleveland at some point in the fall to see uh, Progressive Field. I, I I think so. Just trying to get closer to thirty. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm probably probably not gonna be able to get all thirty done. Uh, but as long as long as I make an effort, um, you know, and and. I get at least at least twenty. I think twenty would be uh, would be pretty cool to see to see that many stadiums. Um, I could really go for like a nice cup of coffee right now with with, with some espresso shots. I feel like I've been using uh, my my you know watered down Keurig coffee for the past ever since I've been living alone. I want to say um, I've had one or two different Keurigs since like twenty fourteen or something seven eight years ago. And it, someone just mentioned the other day like you do know that you know, there's stronger and better coffee out there, right? Like whether it be pour over coffee or, or French press or Nespresso or something like that. And I'm thinking maybe I should, you know, maybe I should invest in something better because first of all, it's terrible for the environment that I like go through four or five of these cups a day. Um, also, it's just not very good coffee. Um, and maybe that's why I need to drink so much of it. So I might, I might actually, yeah, I'm actually looking to getting, getting a, another coffee machine. Um, but yeah, some things never change. Uh, death, taxes, and me eating five cups of coffee today to be even even a little bit functional. Um, oh my gosh! Literally, Penny just did the cutest thing as as I'm sitting here um, recording. I had to print print pause. Had to click pause. She literally, so she literally ran to my door. She picked up one of my like old um, dilapidated sneakers, and she she wants to bring it back to play with, but she knows that she's not allowed to do that. So she goes to the door and she picks up, uh, one of my like old dilapidated sneakers. She puts it in her mouth and she zooms past me at like, you know, hundred miles an hour, like a, like a tr- freaking train. Um, cause she doesn't want me to see that she has the sneaker, but now she's like literally sitting on the floor chewing on the laces. It's very cute. That's the thing about getting a puppy is like, you know, there are moments when it's just like, damn, this is just, this person, this this animal is just too sweet, too too pure for this world. Um. Anyway, so in most of the hiatus episodes, I like to to chat about like TV or movies or books, things that um I've been you know spending time with. I haven't watched a lot of TV uh recently, um for all the reasons that I mentioned, stuff occupying my time. Um, I talked. I feel like I talked about devs and the boys and flight attendant. You know, some of my favorite shows from last year. 
So this year, I really enjoyed The Mayor of Easttown. I mean, I feel like that was a critically acclaimed. Everyone and their mother, you know, saw that show. It's just incredible. And I've said this before on the show. It bears repeating. HBO cannot make a bad series. From the writing to the direction, the acting, everything is always top-notch. Um... You know, you look at Undoing and Big Little Lies and, um, and you know, uh, Mayor of Easttown. I mean, Kate Winslet was was stellar. It was just such a, you know, well-written uh, murder mystery. It wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. It was really, like, realistic the way that they portrayed, uh, like, a small community in, in Philadelphia. And uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. That was one of the best shows I've seen all year. I got into The Handmaid's Tale. Um, Handmaid's Tale is a show that's been on my list for a long time. Um you know, like, you know those shows that everyone's like, oh, you should watch it, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want it's such a long commitment, whatever. Like, I haven't seen The Wire or The Sopranos. They're both on my list um, to eventually get to. But Handmaid's Tale came out in 2017, <coughs> excuse me, and everyone was like, you would love this show because it's set in a dystopian, you know, world where um, if you haven't seen the show, it's like, a world after there's been a huge terrorist attack in America, and then there's an overthrowing of the government, Congress and the president, and you know all the government officials are assassinated, and then the government is taken over by uh, a group of, of guardians, they're called, and they institute laws whereby um, women are, if they're fertile, they're uh, required to be handmaids because there's, there's a fertility crisis. So handmaids um, are the only fertile women that can bear children. And then um, they live in a house with a uh, commander and his wife and the uh, handmaid is forced to be impregnated by the commander. And then the wife and the commander raise the baby as as their own. Um, <clears throat> really horrifying future in, in terms of like how um, – just different like stratifications of you know women are either handmaids or if they're fertile or Martha's you know like like uh, essentially like um, performing menial tasks in the household if they're not fertile um, people are sent to the colonies which are like areas of um, North America that have been contaminated by um, by pollution and toxic waste and um, you know they're forced to like die slowly it's it's a dark show so much so that like it's hard to watch it's hard to binge it's hard to watch more than a couple episodes at a time just because it's so depressing um, there's not a lot of levity in the show you're not really smiling or laughing it's just it's something you watch and you're kind of aghast um, but I will say uh, you know Elizabeth Moss who plays um, uh, June off off uh, off red the main character uh, does does such a sensational job I'd seen a little bit in in Mad Men and she was fine I, I you know I, I'm not one of those people that that thinks that Mad Men is the greatest show ever made I, I haven't seen all of it but it was fine she was okay in that but really like like top notch um, you know as, as the lead in Handmaid's Tale uh, Yvonne Strahovski is Serena I mean the the whole the whole cast is terrific um, you know who's who's horrifying is uh, the woman that plays Aunt Lydia. Aunt Lydia is um, again. I mean, I'm not going to give too much away from the show, but the handmaids are trained by like a it's like a mother figure um, that's responsible for uh, essentially like indoctrinating them and you know telling uh, sharing the the rules and whatever and um, almost like an uh, almost like Trunchbull or something in Annie. Anyway, so she's played by um, she's played by Anne Dowd. Uh, really terrific. So I've enjoyed that show a lot. Um, uh, I'm I'm on the second season of that, and then what else? What else have I watched this year? I mentioned Mayor of Easttown. Um, there's a couple of dumb shows like I watched with Holly. This thing on Netflix, Ginny uh, and Georgia, that was that was sort of <clears throat> like a you know a very light, easy uh, you know it's like River Riverdale esque um, dramedy. 
Uh, I started Game of Thrones last week. I mean, you know, I, I like to say when it comes to TV, I'm always like five, six years late to the party. I, I watched Breaking Bad like years after it was, you know, hyped as the greatest show ever made. And um, I'm like that with a lot of things. And Game of Thrones, uh, I had put off watching for a very long time just because it's eight seasons. It's Each season is 10 episodes. And there's just so much backstory. I mean, um, you know, the, all the kingdoms and the families and the characters and the, the background events. And you have to learn a whole language. You have to learn Dothraki to even understand some of the dialogue. So I was just like, I, I don't have time for this. I don't have the, the mental you know, the brain power to devote. Um, but I watched a couple episodes. I watched like the first four episodes <clears throat> a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> it was good. It was fine. I mean, I'm not super sucked in yet. I think there's just a lot of... Um, Game of Thrones, you know, a lot of shows, it's like a slow burn. Uh, they, they, I think about like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, they take a long time to set the pieces into motion. Westworld was like this too. And then at the end of the season, then you have sort of like... like Things speed up, and and you have more um more action, so to speak. Game of Thrones is not like that. Game of Thrones starts, and you're like in the middle of the story, right? There's there's no like explication. There's no like you know prologue. It's just boom, you're in the middle of the story, and then you have to watch the episodes like two or three times to figure out like okay, is that Jon Snow? Is that Ned Stark? And why is he mad? And who are the good guys? And the Lannisters are hurting the Starks and the King and the Hand. It's a lot. So all this to say, like, I this this might be a hot take, but I don't know if I'm going to continue watching Game of Thrones. Um, and it, it's kind of you know I, I know it's everyone says like oh it's one of the best shows along with uh you know The Wire and um and Breaking Bad, but I just don't know if I have the patience and I mean first of all the time, but the patience and the headspace to devote to learning that. And I'm also you know when it comes to television, I I have a very addictive personality. I can't just watch a show and then you know binge the season and then forget about it. I have to watch an episode and then I think about it and then I tweet about it and I go on Reddit and I see what other people are saying and then I talk about it with friends. I listen to podcasts about it. You know, it becomes all-consuming for me. Like with even with Mayor of Easttown, I, I, I would watch an episode. I'd be so like blown away. It was a murder mystery. Like, oh, you know, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder what this means as, as term, in terms of who the killer is. Then I go on Reddit and, and, and whatever. Um, so for the weeks that I was watching that, that was a big part of my, of my life and I don't know if I want to do that with Game of Thrones. Like, I know if I watched all eight seasons, I'd probably enjoy it. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a lot. And I'm also I'm not someone that's that's been you know big into this whole fantasy like like arcs. You know, like the the genre that Harry Potter would be considered part of. I mean, I never even saw Harry Potter. I saw Lord of the Rings. Uh, that's another one I saw twenty years late, and I like that a lot. But generally, I'm not into like the fantasy stories, um, so and, and that's part of the reason why um, you know series like uh, Breaking Bad or Dexter appeal to me because it's almost it's rooted in reality, right? Like a, a, a sociopathic serial killer that was traumatized as a child that um, you know that chops people up and throws them into the, in, in, into the marina. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but it could happen, right? Like a, a, a you know man that's dying of cancer. Uh, former chemistry teacher decides to to sell meth and starts an empire. Kind of crazy. Could happen. I think it might. You know, maybe it's happened out in uh, in Albuquerque. Um, but you know, uh, kingdoms in the far future that are competing for control over uh, rule of of uh, different species of people and dragons and White Walkers. I I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't. 
you know, I don't leave my house thinking that that there's a chance that that might be reality. So that was my TV rant. Um, Handmaid's Tale, Mary Town, Game of Thrones. Eh, we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe I'll, I'll come back on next next time I do one of these TV um, TV chats and I'll have better things to say about it. Um, but for now, I'm putting I'm putting it on pause. That, I mean, also I'll say I haven't read the books, right? Like some people. They read the books and then they they get into these television shows. Um, since I haven't read the books, maybe that's why I'm <clears throat> less connected, uh, you know, from the source material. I know a lot. I mean, most most of these shows, like even with Handmaid's Tale, was based on Margaret Atwood's novel. Um, but uh, and then in terms of movies, I haven't watched a ton of movies lately. Uh, I know that I try to watch all of the Best Picture nominated films um, for the Oscars every year. Let me see. I, I don't know if I've seen. I don't think I saw many of them this year. Let's see. Best Picture, Oscar nominations. So um, of the films that were nominated, uh, yeah, I, honestly, I haven't seen th- – this is this is probably the first year that I haven't seen most of the Best Picture films. So I did see <coughs> The Sound of Metal. Uh, I thought that was, that, that, that was excellent. Um, it's about the drummer – who, um, oh my God, Penny's literally lying on her back right now, like rolling around on the carpet with her, with her tummy up and her paws up. It's it's very adorable. Um, Santa Metal was about a drummer who uh, lost his hearing and had to go to like a, a rehab clinic or something. Well, he, so he was a drummer, lost his hearing, also was was a drug addict, had to go to a rehab clinic for deaf people and wanted to get a surgery to um, uh, to have like a cochlear implant. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not doing the movie justice. It was the way that they depicted, uh, you know, what it's like to be hearing impaired, like the the sound mixing, mixing, audio mixing. Um, they 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 did a, a terrific job. Uh, the other ones I don't think I saw. So Nomadland, I I started, you know, I think I watched like the first few minutes, and I was just like, this this isn't really for me. It was a little slow. Another one that's a little like morbid. Um, I don't usually, you know. Uh, jump ship with TV and movies within the first few minutes. It's just just these examples, I guess. And then um, prom- Promising Young Woman, that's that's Penny barking right now. Promising Young Woman is on my list. Uh, I've been dying to see that, but I can't justify paying $20 to rent it on Amazon when you know I'm paying all this money for streaming services. So I'll see that one eventually. And all the other ones like Mank, uh, Minari, uh, yeah, those those I, I haven't seen. So this, in terms of Oscar nominees, I have some some catching up to do this year. Um, and what else? I saw I saw the Saw movies. So I saw Saw uh, for the first time at the recommendation of my friend. Um, and those those, those were decent. Um, I watched Christopher Nolan's first movie, uh, Insomnia. That was. I think who was that? Hilary Swank and, and Al Pacino. That was another like murder mystery. Um, that was excellent. You know, I mean, everyone thinks of Christopher Nolan and they think uh, Inception, Memento. Um, they think the Dark Knight trilogy, The Prestige, obviously Interstellar, uh, Tenet. I haven't seen Tenet yet. Tenet has been on my list for a long time, and now it's on HBO Max, so I will see it soon. Um, but I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Insomnia was excellent, and Penny, don't bite that. <coughs> And uh, I saw, I saw the forty-year-old virgin. It, it, it's crazy. I, I I wasn't sure if I had never seen it before. You know when you like, you know there's a movie that you've seen bits and pieces of in the past, and you're not sure if you've ever sat down and watched the whole thing. That was me with the forty-year-old virgin. But I watched it. It, it sort of gave me a new appreciation for Steve Carell. Um, 
I didn't watch The Office growing up, so I, I wasn't a huge Steve Carell guy. But uh, yeah, that uh, it was it was decent. Um, I think that was what's his face Judd Apatow's first movie, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I mean it's just it's just like when I do have free time to to sit around and uh, and watch a movie, there's just way too many options. And I've talked about this. I think I did a bonus episode with my friend uh, Casey a while back, and we talked about sort of the streaming libraries. But like HBO Max, because they are owned by Warner Brothers or, or own Warner Brothers, something like that, they have just such an extensive library of like thousands of, of you know, really phenomenal, critically acclaimed movies from the, some of the Oscar movies that I mentioned to um, superhero movies and animated movies and um, comedies and romantic movies. It's just, it's, it's too, it's almost too much. Um, not to mention, then you go over to like Netflix and Amazon and the other ones. It's just, it's just like, you really do get option overload. Um, and it's only going to get more intense with the other streaming services. Like I think Paramount has one now. Um, so all that's to say, like, I don't really have a ton of time to watch movies, but when I do, um, I probably spend the first like 15 minutes just sitting on my couch, finding a movie and then saying, all right, this is good, but let me, let me go back and, uh, and see if I can find something, <clears throat> something better, you know, and then 30 minutes goes by and I'm just like, all right, fuck it. I'll just watch the big bang theory. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's like, uh, that's pretty much how it goes. But, uh, I think, I think that covers you know, my updates or whatever. Uh, I, it's interesting. Like I really thought that the, that the, the ripple effects from the pandemic would extend into the summer and the fall. But I mean, I don't know about all of your cities listening, but here in Washington, DC, it's everything's back to normal. I mean, I'm, it, it feels weird walking to the supermarket without a mask or walking into a restaurant without a mask, but that's the norm now. Um, no masks. No one's wearing masks on the sidewalks or indoors. The only time that I still wear a mask regularly is if you're in an Uber or a taxi. They still require them. Or if you're in, if you go to like the doctor, like a medical office or something like that, you still need a mask. But elsewhere in D.C. and New York and rest of the country, um, you know, the, the numbers are good. Uh, they, it, it looks like, it actually looks like this is this is over. I mean, you know, R.I.P. COVID COVID nineteen. Um, you know, spring of 2020 to summer of 2021. Um, though there is, you know, there are reports that there is a variant of the COVID-19 virus called the, the Delta variant that um, has, you know, affected people who are unvaccinated, um, according to reports by the CDC. Um, and it looks like it's one of the dominant U.S. strains of the the COVID-19 virus. So it's not it's not like we're totally out of the woods Um you know, and and there are. I mean, first of all, there are still people that aren't vaccinated; they just don't believe in it, um, and they're at risk. But uh, you know, there's also countries that just don't have access to the vaccines. Like as much as we're fortunate in America, uh, that you know that we um, that we haven't had this, that you know that, that we're able to get the vaccine so quickly. In in other parts of the world, that's not the case. So I guess that's something to, to keep keep an eye out for. And um, in terms of like the fall, yeah, it looks like schools are are opening up again. I read a report uh, from the CDC that fully vaccinated students and teachers don't even need to wear masks in school, um, which which I think is great. You know, like as much as possible, like these kids have lost a year, year and a half of their their lives or their schooling, um, having to take classes online. So so that's that's pretty good news. And then like in terms of politics, you know, it's interesting with the Trump administration, every every time I'd come up here to, to do a podcast, there'd be like another outrage, outra- 
Oh my gosh, Penny. I mean, maybe you agree with me. Um, every time I come up here to talk about politics, there'd be like another outrageous comment um, coming from former President Trump or scandal or something like that. But you know, it's business as usual in Washington D.C. Um, you know, almost the the boring, mundane uh, politics of of you know the pre-Trump era. Uh, so that's pretty good news. And um, yeah, I mean. You know, think about all the things that you haven't done in a long time because of the pandemic. Like, I went to my first baseball game last, I think it was a couple, like last month or a couple weeks ago. Um, hadn't done that in two years. The movies are, are open again. I mean, Black Widow's come out, so maybe I'll go see that. People haven't been in the movie theaters in years. Um, so, we're really, we're really doing it. We're really, really just returning to, uh, to the way that things were beforehand. And hopefully we never have to go through something like this again. Uh, they say that you know Bill Gates warned that a pandemic, uh, that our um, our country, our world was not prepared for a pandemic. Uh, presciently, you know, noted that in like 2015, 2016. Well, I would like to think that the world won't be caught off guard like this again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been I've been rambling for a little under an hour, um, and as I'm doing it, Pet Penny has been barking and you know chewing my feet. And right now, I'm playing tug of war with her with a. Red Bull, it's like a, a stuffed Red Bull. Um, this is my new normal, right? Is having to try to podcast with divided attention at all times. Who said you can't, who said you can't multitask? Um, but I'm excited for the rest of the summer. I'm excited to go back to law school. And I'm excited for uh, the remainder of 2021 with the pod. You know, uh, I, I, I sort of keep like a running list of um, topics and episode ideas and guests that I'm interested in. And ow, ow, don't bite. Penny. Uh, and, and you know, there's there's some good ones in the queue. So make sure that you are subscribed to the pod on Apple Podcasts. Um, you are following us on the social medias, on Instagram, Nervous Heps Podcast, on Twitter, Nervous Heps underscore. Um, make sure to check out the YouTube page. I think I'm going to try to post more videos on YouTube, uh, you know, when I come back from hiatus. Because it looks like people, you know, that's that's what that's what people want to see. Because uh, because I think there are some people that that uh, prefer that medium. And and if you have not done so already, this is my regular plea to take ten seconds and rate and review the podcast um, on Apple Podcasts. And it would mean a lot to me um, because the more ratings and more reviews I have, the more the podcast can continue to grow and uh, can build build you know viewership and hopefully expand um, going forward. So I want to thank all you guys for listening, for being a part of the Nervous Habits fam. Hope you enjoy the rest of your summers. And of course, stay nervous. Take care, guys. Nervous Habits.